0: Video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch. Hello, my name is Mark
1: Hanson, and I'm here today with...
0: Justin the (laughs) Clue.
1: And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, yeah. So we decided we'd flip the uh, roles, and clearly we're just going to go back to normal next week because that was that was kind of a fail. But I'm sorry, <laughs> no, okay. uh, we'll be calling
0: you back to let you know how that audition went. <laughs> I, I liked, your,
1: <laughs> I liked your deadpan rendition of how I usually do it. I guess. So...
0: Yeah, because that makes you seem bigger if yeah. I'm smaller. so yes. that was my strategy there.
1: Oh, cool. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. I like that a lot. Um, but uh, yeah, you want to. You want to take this?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So big news uh, this week, right? Bay Street Video is back open for business. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't closed, but more (laughs) to normal. Yeah. You
1: can just walk on by now. Uh, Well, not anytime. I mean, if you come... After 6 p.m., it's just going to be locked and closed. But, you know, if you want to come by between 12 and 6 p.m., we're open for walk-ins. Before, we were doing the scheduled browsing thing, but we figured we found that was just kind of becoming a bit of a hassle trying to schedule people in. So, And mostly, we were just getting walk-ins when it was dead anyway. So now you can just walk in. But... We are still taking names. We're logging everybody that comes in and we're still capping it at four people max in the store at any one point. So the door is still locked. It's not like you can actually just walk in. You just gotta come and knock on the door. If we're at capacity, you just gotta wait outside for a little bit. But uh, that usually hasn't been too much of an issue so far.
0: Did a lot of people schedule stuff, come in, and then just leave? <laughs> There's been a few people that have done
1: Did that. And they have, and like, guilt like,
0: on their faces? They're like, oh, God, I'm sorry. You don't have what I want. The thing
1: is, most people who scheduled were did want to buy something, you could tell they came in, they're like, I want to spend money here. Mostly the walk-ins that we were getting would come in for like two seconds and check if we had something, and if we didn't, they'd just leave, which is fair. I mean you can't force yeah, people. I do to that buy all the something. time. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we we wanted to create more of a sense where I think with the scheduled browsing, people thought like, oh well if I go down and schedule a time, it kind of means I gotta buy something, right? But, and we didn't really want to, we don't want to force people to buy things. Like, obviously,
0: our stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't leave until you yeah, make so, a purchase. So, the way it actually
1: works is we lock the door, and until you buy something, you're not leaving.
0: <laughs> it's all in the yeah, contract you signed. Yeah. I didn't sign any contract. That's not how I remember it. So,
1: we also spray you in the face with hand sanitizer. So, oh, in the face? Know. Yeah, it's face sanitizer. Face and sanitizer. And you got to wear
0: a mask. I mean, you're in Toronto. So it's uh, illegal to not wear a mask <laughs> exactly. when you go into it's any store.
1: Well, that's the thing that took a lot of like, <laughs> the, took a lot of the stress off of our backs having to like fight with people because it's just. Bylaw now, so get used to it, people.
0: So let's start with the cult films this week. We got some new Arrow releases: Black Rainbow, the Mike Hodge film, which I had never heard of before, and I read a book about Mike Hodge. Like I mean,
1: he's pretty much mostly known for his like British gangstery stuff, right? Like Get Carter. Yeah, Get
0: Carter and Flash Gordon. Gordon, Of course, of course, which which will will never stop
1: being re-released. I know. Well, it's gonna get the deluxe treatment from Arrow next month, which we can talk about. We're getting like four different editions of flash gordon in, but until then we've got black rainbow i guess
0: are you familiar with it at all
1: not really i'd also never heard of this film um but i mean it's got a pretty good cast rosanna arquette jason robards uh tom hulse is in this right from amadeus and i don't know Sure. yeah tom hulse remember are there any tom superstar (laughs) yeah Yeah. i mean i liked him in amadeus He's but i Didn't know he was anything else until Black Rainbow, I guess.
0: And if you enjoy Black Rainbow, check out its sequel, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, no, I've never heard of this film. I didn't get around to it this week, but I'm really intrigued by it. It's kind of, I mean, it's a horror film, and Mike Hodge isn't really, I guess, known for horror. I don't know if he did any horror beyond this. Like I
0: said, I read a book about him. I think it was one of the few film books at the public library when I was a kid. And it's like reading a book where I don't know when I will see these movies. <laughs> like, and it's just like, have you ever done that? Where you just read a film book and you're like, I haven't seen any of this stuff. But uh, I guess I'll... One day I will get to it. <laughs> so moving on, Arrow has Inferno of Torture. Now this is more your speed, right?
1: Sure, yeah. <laughs> this is a Taruo teru- Ishii film, I believe. Uh, i actually haven't seen i don't think any of his films but he is a guy that i've always been interested in i feel like he's kind of almost a forefather to like the takashi yeah you've never seen of.
0: horrors of malformed men i've never seen that one yeah i've always
1: had it on the list never gotten to it i don't know is his stuff super grotty i've always got that oh volume. yeah
0: it's super grotty there's some interesting stuff he's a really like fun director very stylish He also did uh, some Sony Chiba film. I think they were the Executioner series. He did two of those.
1: Um, This one is like, this one seems pretty kind of like taboo and everything as well. But it is from 1969, so I don't imagine it could be that explicit but yeah but it'll I mean, be
0: colorful and cool
1: yeah but i mean the cover's got like a naked lady tied up with a bunch of dudes looking at her so i mean that's the kind of that's the kind of vibe it's kind of going for which uh, it's not not necessarily my bag but i mean you know it's got <laughs> yeah it's some people's bags some people's bag i mean it's been selling well so people people like him people There's like nothing it. wrong yeah. with that i don't know if this one's ever been out before either so i'm sure it has They've all been out like a know. million
0: times haven't they
1: i don't know maybe maybe <laughs> Maybe under a different title or something.
0: Uh, so, Ator the Fighting Eagle is also... It's not a new release. It's You're just getting in a bunch of Dark Force yeah. releases, Yeah, well, right? this
1: one we infamously talked about, what, a few weeks ago? Or when we first started getting the Dark Force stuff in, and we were talking about the Dark Force controversy about a, a certain Facebook post they put out there, which was a little uh, offside, and it had to revolve around their release of Ator the, Fly- the Fighting Eagle.
0: Yeah, they made um, a joke about uh, school shootings yes, and linked uh, it to this release.
1: Yeah, which is kind Ooh of a, boy. a bit of a stretch. but um, So that kind of overshadows the whole Ator release. Not that Ator really can be overshadowed or anything, but... Um, I did watch this. You know, I'd never seen this film until this week, and I'd always wanted to. Um, I'm not really sure why. I'm not a big, like, sword and sandal fan or anything, but...
0: But you're a huge uh, Joe D'Amato fan. Of course. I mean, who is it, right? Or what's his his name on this one? uh, David Hills. David (laughs) Hills, yeah.
1: (laughs) Very American. Uh, But yeah, obviously, this film, you know, doesn't really need much of an introduction. I think it's been parodied on Mystery Science Theater a ton of times. Yeah, it was called Cave Dwellers. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, if you know much about trash cinema, you probably know this was a very quick cash in ripoff of Conan the Barbarian that Joe D'Amato threw together that very same year. And not only did he throw together this film, he threw together a sequel to it as well the same year when it was announced that they were going to make a Conan sequel. And, uh, but yeah, I'd never gotten around to it till this week. Um, it was pretty funny. I have to say, I mean, it's like exactly what I would expect from a really low budget Italian produced, you know, Hollywood ripoff. Uh, it all looks like it was filmed in people in just like parks and people's backyards and things like that. The, uh, the costumes are hilarious. The dubbing's hilarious.
0: If you had to measure the quality of the main actor in a unit of measurement, how how long would you say Mr. O'Keefe did?
1: <laughs> I was just gonna say yeah, Mr. O'Keefe really uh, makes his mark with this film. Uh...
0: <laughs> the answer I was looking for, Mark, was Miles. Miles O'Keefe. <laughs> miles and miles. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you set me up perfectly, and I just failed big time. With yeah, I was
0: thinking about it. I'm like, how do I formulate this so I can make a Miles O'Keefe Miles
1: <laughs> and miles of acting talent, and that's Miles O'Keefe yep. for you. He uh, he's hilarious in this, though. I mean, he he really like even from his first scene, because I think the first 20 minutes or so are like when Ator is a baby. So you don't get to see him. But then you see him in all his glory at, like, the 20-minute mark with that flowing blonde wig or whatever. And the first scene is just hilarious, like, right off the bat with him when his, like, his sister-slash-love interest, another, you know, incest-type subplot, which, you know, I feel like has popped up a lot lately.
0: <laughs> we love it! This and White Fire. <laughs> yeah, so
1: she walks up, runs up to him, and is all like, I love you, and he's like, I love you, too. And, she, and he says something like why can't we get married? And she's like, well, because we're brother and sister. And then he just looks,
0: and then he just looks
1: kind of like pensively, like confused down at the ground. He's like, uh, I'll talk to father about that. And, like, that's it. That's the scene. And it's like, as soon as that happened, I'm like, I'm going to love this movie.
0: Oh, man. You calling it Ator? I've been calling him Ator all these years. You know what?
1: (laughs) I thought it was Ator, but everybody says Ator in it. So. (laughs)
0: Damn it. Apparently it's Ator. I'm so (laughs) embarrassed.
1: For years, I was calling it Ator. Uh, But yeah, it's funny. Um, So
0: you'd recommend this release?
1: I would recommend it. I don't know, yeah, what the quality... I actually watched this... I didn't actually watch the Blu-ray. I watched this on Tubi, which is a great... uh, Which you turned me on to recently because I really hadn't gone down that road, but... Tubi is a great uh, reference for lots of tr- lots of trash. Not that I recommend streaming because we're a video store and everything.
0: <laughs> so what you're trying to say is, why buy it at Bay Street Video when you can stream it on Tubi? I'm just
1: saying, if, if you're not sure about the purchase and you just want to check it out and see it is streaming on Tubi right now... I feel like the quality might be better on the Blu-ray, though. The 2B stream is not the greatest-looking thing. Oh, it's and I a think remastered Force... version. I
0: think they did a scan of yeah, uh, print. Yeah, Dark
1: for Force this. did a new scan. So, yeah, I, would, I mean, the film looks pretty crappy to begin with, but I feel like they did as much as they could with How it. How dare
0: you? Joe D'Amato was a cinematographer before he was a director. Look, I got a lot, a
1: lot of love for Joe D'Amato. I have to say, I was expecting it to be a lot sleazier than it was because of Joe D'Amato. It actually... And I mean... It stars Laura who who is obviously a big part of Jess Franco's filmography. And Joe um,
0: D'Amato, because she was in uh, Emmanuel, uh, the snuff one in America. Yeah.
1: So she has a supporting role. And I just like going into it. I'm like, I feel like this is going to have a lot of sleaze and sex and nudity in it. And it actually doesn't really. It's actually pretty tame compared to a lot of his stuff. Um, so, you know, it's one, if you want to introduce the kids to Joe D'Amato, maybe, <laughs> this is where you start. <laughs> you might just have to explain the concept of incest or, you know. Kids!
0: Uh, babies with hands on their foreheads! That's what happens when you mix the bloodline. I think it's okay in the end,
1: because I know he gets together with her, and I think there's, like, he's not actually the blood son of the parents. Oh, so he's,
0: like, adopted? It's like Royal tenenbombs <laughs> You know, it's like one of those. It's like a Thor
1: thing. He's like, adop- he's, like, a son of the gods, and he's, like, adopted or something. I don't know.
0: I don't remember the there being a big infest plotline in thor but you know i'll take your word for it you're the marvel expert yeah.
1: <laughs> it's not as bad as it yeah exactly right come to me for all your marvel questions it's not as bad as what it was in white fire though let's say that
0: <laughs> so uh mvd slash invincible are putting out project metal beast uh and mvd i think they announced this as like a big blu-ray special edition like years yeah, ago you were saying that and Unfortunately, what ended up happening is they couldn't find any print elements for it. So, what this release is is a DVD only full screen transfer of like a beta master. It looks okay. I had seen this before in like somebody had made like a fan dub, so they had taken like a VHS from another country and mixed in English audio and had like a real like whine to it and this the audio is very clear. And this film is like it's a fun direct-to-video werewolf movie. Where, like, the gimmick is that, like, it's so complicated where the first 25 minutes takes place in the past. A guy gets bit by a werewolf, comes back as a werewolf, gets frozen, then a bunch of scientists revive him. It's it's weirdly gory randomly, but most people that get killed in it just get, like, pulled off screen. Like, ah! And then, like, blood splatters. But it does feature a really cool-looking werewolf played by Kane Hodder. And at the end, he explodes when a, like a they make like silver missiles that they can shoot oh, at it. Nice. And <laughs> at the end, it gets hit by one and blows up. So that's fun. I mean, the DVD's super cheap, too. Yeah,
1: it's a pretty bare bones DVD, I guess. Right? Like... No,
0: it's just a, it's just the movie. MVD made a post where they're like, we can't find any elements. If we do, maybe we'll do a special edition down the line. But people have been asking for this, so here it is. We tried our yeah. best. Does
1: it look okay uh, for what it is?
0: Yeah, like I said, it looks okay. It looks the best I've seen it kind of like washed out video, but there's not any, like, damage to it or anything like that. Like, it is a master tape that they used. So, uh, SRC, our favorite Sub-Rose Entertainment, which seem to have had new DVDs every week Yeah, lately. they
1: are cranking out the releases. We've got a few more coming. we got like another one next week we'll have to talk about. we got another two or three I just ordered for August. I don't know. They've upped their production in the, uh, COVID time.
0: Oh, but this one's a special one, because this is Church of the Damned, which is the first, uh, film directed by the Polonia Brothers, who you may know as the director's of. The Splatter Farm and Feeders 1 and 2, which are terrible alien films. And I love Splatter Farm so much. It is like so sleazy and gross. It was made by like two 16-year-olds, or maybe they were 17, and they're like naked in it. It like they have sex with like their aunt at one point, like their great aunt. Amazing. Yeah. And they all have like Teen Stash. And this is the movie they made before Splatter Farm and didn't finish. And so the they kind of uh, one of the surviving brothers, unfortunately, one passed away a few years ago, put together the footage they had. It's only an hour long. Having seen the other films they made around this time, you would never know <laughs> it was unfinished because it is just as incoherent as those other pictures. And it's basically just like a montage of like gore and weirdness and teenagers pretending to be adults, like cops and stuff like that. So it's great. Nice. Would recommend. I bought it. I already watched it and listened to the commentary track. Well, these SRS
1: releases are really fun, honestly. Like I just love the vibe of them. I love the packaging for them. It just reminds me of like when Intervision first started. I feel like we talked about this before, but I just love their commitment to these kind of movies. And they're cheap. And they're really cheap. Yeah. Got them for a cool 12.95. I cheap believe.
0: enough that I'm like, "Eh, why not?" Yeah. <laughs> so the next movie is Classic Mark. It's PO Box Tinto Brass. Tell us about this, Mark.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know much about Tinto Brass other than he is a big name in Italian erotica. He has been since the 70s. I mean, he was the director of Caligula. That's probably his biggest film. Uh, although Caligula, a lot of the time, is uh, you know credited to... Bob Guccione? Yeah,
0: Bob Guccione uh took over because he was the producer and he added inserts and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: So I feel like Tinto Brass kind of uh kind of goes under the radar with that one, but he has made so many Italian erotica films and he is insanely popular at Bay Street Video, I will say Is that. he? He wow. is he carry like pretty much every single one of his films that has been released. There is a guy on staff here who is like a Tinto Brass expert. He knows like everything about Tinto Brass because um, he started too as like kind of an experimental filmmaker in the 60s with some weird films Uh he made a film called The Howl in the 60s which is more of just like an experimental Bunuel kind of film
0: but then he was like you know what I love? Butts and that's all my filmography will be composed of
1: oh yeah he loves butts and the covers of so many of his movies all just have a lady with her like skirt getting blown up and her butt just Cheeky. out for display Cheeky Cheeky is one of them that's a big one Frivolous Lola is another one there's one one called Mana Moor, which is very big. So I
0: don't think I've ever seen a Tinto Brass film other than that. Yeah, Caligula. I've
1: never seen any of this stuff. I haven't even seen Caligula in full. I, I still need to go down that road. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you gotta watch it uncut, man. You don't own the three disc special no, edition we, that came we we out. We do a while rent back. that
1: at the store, although that's long out of print. That is a rarity. So I feel like at some point some company is gonna put that out again in like a big special edition. But
0: well, so supposedly um Penthouse still owns the rights to it and it uh, keeps threatening to do the ultimate edition and they made an announcement that they were gonna do like a theatrical run with like finally like tinto brass's caligula Uh, and you know the original version without the inserts that were added by bob guccione even though the dvd does have like a touch of um evil style like edited version like a work print based on you know how it could have originally looked so what is this movie like it's
1: like kind of half documentary half fiction film but it's about him so he stars in it too <laughs> as like and he's like older right this is like the 90s this is like 95 this movie came out and apparently I have not not seen this but it's based on a series of letters photos and video cassettes which women have sent to P.O. to P.O. box Tinto Brass have sent to Tinto Brass over the years. <laughs> Just like
0: Santa Claus, it's like <laughs> P.O. box ho, ho ho. So he
1: visualizes these letters, I guess. Yeah, it's like. It's almost like, uh, what, a Playboy? It's like the letters to Playboy or something. It's like like the Dear Penthouse thing, but Dear Tinto Brass, and it's visualized, but Tinto Brass is already, is also in this film, I guess. Wait, does he, like,
0: perform every scene? That I don't
1: know. I'm not sure if it's, like, an anthology type thing. It's hard to tell from the back. Um, So it's put out by Cult Epics, who have put out a lot of Tinto Brass's stuff, pretty much his whole catalog.
0: Um, So... I hope, like, Tinto Brass is, like, trapped in these fantasies. He's like, let me out! What is real? What is fantasy? I'll never know! Exactly.
1: That seems like what this is. So he's just gone, like, full meta with his, like, (laughs) <laughs> with his sexual hangups and his just like what turns what turns him on is like all in this film, I guess.
0: Butts. That's what turns him on. yeah, Buts. it's just a <laughs> lot about butts.
1: I think. But uh, cult epics has really gone all out with this release, like they always do with their Tinto Brass movies. It's a two to set, and it also comes with a documentary, like a feature length documentary about Tinto Brass as well. So, for you Tinto Brass heads out there, this is another. A-class release from Cult Epics, so... We
0: have two Paul Bartel films being released by Kino, not for publication, then Scenes from the Class Struggle in Beverly Hills.
1: Yeah, Paul Bartel's getting a Kino spotlight this week. Um, not for Publication was out long ago on like an old Anchor Bay disc on DVD, but I don't think Scenes from the Class Struggle has ever made it to DVD before now. I think this is its first release, so it's kind of a big deal for that one because it's one of his bigger cult titles, I guess. Yeah, are you a Paul Bartel fan? Uh,
0: I, I like him as an actor. I don't think I've actually watched that many films he's directed other than Eating Raoul. Yeah,
1: yeah, I've seen Eating Raoul and I, I liked it. I mean, I like Death Race Two Thousand a lot. Um, it's oh, a lot I love of Death fun. Death Race Two Thousand. And um, I did see his long lost like last film, uh, Shelf Life. <laughs> <laughs> was that it? So
0: wait, you went to yeah, the Royal when they showed it during TIFF when all the people who didn't have tickets to movies went to go see Shelf Life? I did
1: because I, you know, why I went to that? I got to a pre, I got a. Pre- screening invite to that because the guy, the, the site I write for got basically the guy contact, I guess the guy who was touring it contacted a bunch of people and were like, hey, we're doing this screening at the Royal. Please come out. And it was like, ooh, it's right during TIFF though. Like, do they, are they aware of that? So I did go and they actually did have a QA and a with a couple of people, a couple of the actors and like producer. And it was really sad because there was just nobody there. I think there were, like, with me, there was, like, 10 people maybe there, Max.
0: Oh, that's brutal. It was so
1: bad. And it wasn't by the fault of anybody or, like, it just, you know, it fell during the opening weekend of TIFF. I believe it was the first Saturday of TIFF, which if you have been in town for the Toronto International Film Festival, like, that's the big weekend for TIFF. Saturday night is, like, kind of the big night um, but I did trek on over there and it was kind of, it was interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was like one of, I didn't say I loved it, but it definitely was an interesting final film. Did you tell them that it?
0: during the Q and A? You're like, I didn't
1: love it. Well, you know what? I actually didn't stay for the Q and A cause I had to get to a TIFF screening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brutal. So out of the 10 people out there, you get up and you leave. what TIFF screening did you see? Oh, I had to
1: go to, uh, get to Colorado space. <laughs>
0: Not worth it. (laughs) Not worth it. I know,
1: I know. But it was, like, right up against it. I think the the royal screening was at, like, 930 or something. And it's, like, you know, across town. I'm like, I got to get there, you know. Nobody's holding a spot for me in line, so.
0: Wait, so you saw Colorado Space by yourself?
1: I did, I actually, because <laughs> my, friend, my friend bailed on me last minute. Oh, <laughs> but brutal. you know what, I sat right up front and I got my, I got like two meters away from Nick Cage, it was beautiful.
0: I hear Nick Cage, uh, based on other friends who sat beside, behind him during a screening at TIFF where he fell asleep during the movie. Amazing. And <laughs> he smells very nice. Uh, yeah, he usually does. I
1: actually sat two rows in front of him. Back when Bad Lieutenant premiered at TIFF, I got like that really. I sat one row in front of Werner Herzog and two rows in front of Nick Cage, like directly in front of them. And I heard him talking to Herzog a bit about, he was just confused about. Like the way the audience was like really rowdy and doing like the piracy R thing, and he was like really confused about it, and he was asking Werner Herzog like Is that like what's going What's going on here What's with these people?" And Werner Herzog <laughs> Werner <was like, laughs> Herzog was just like Ah, it's just it's what they do. Wait, here. you were
0: listening to them two rows back? Uh, yeah, dude. I was
1: literally right in front of of Herzog for that screening, and then two in front.
0: I think I said the story on this podcast, but like I sat in a row right behind. Uh, Walter Hill and Sigourney Weaver when they did the screening of Reassignment, the terrible uh, Michelle Rodriguez movie. And like, I wanted to laugh so badly and I couldn't because they were right in front of me. I was like, ooh, it's the worst. That movie's so bad.
1: Oh, man. Well, I had to get up and go to the bathroom during Bad Lieutenant. um, And it was, you know, with the Ryerson Theater, like the rows are really tight. So like, if you have to get out, you're like climbing over people. So, yeah, I was, like, embarrassingly climbing over people to get out in front of Nick Cage and Werner Herzog. I couldn't even look them in the eye. I'm like, I'm so sorry.
0: Why don't you just pee your pants like a real cinephile? I Mark? should have, I
1: should have. I wish I had if I had gone <laughs> Uh
0: According to my friends, Nick Cage has, like, 10 strands of hair that he like Homer Simpsons into.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, he definitely doesn't have any hair anymore. That is all of So,
0: his. Uh, moving on, Kino's also putting out 10 Little Indians the 1989 version. From the director uh, of *Killers Moon*.
1: Yeah, the premiere version of Agatha Christie's novel, <laughs>
0: co-starring Frank Stallone. Yeah,
1: I know. I didn't get around to this one. I honestly, I'm not like that much of an Agatha Christie murder mystery person. I just was. I just loved the fact that Frank Stallone is the lead in this, and it it all takes place in Africa, I believe, too. Uh, they're on like a safari, I think, and they start getting picked. <laughs> wait, off.
0: wait, wait! The lead. I feel like Frank Stallone is probably one of the like suspected murderers. I doubt he's like Poirot or anything like that.
1: <laughs> they have positioned him right in the middle on the cover, so I think it's I think it's taken off the original poster. So he he definitely plays an important part. I I got the sense that he was some sort of like cop authority figure or something, but maybe I'm wrong. And then you've also got Donald Pleasance in this too. So yeah,
0: I mean Donald Pleasance. I feel like he's probably barely in it. I read Ten Little Indians a little while back. I'm trying to remember exactly how it ended. Oh, yeah, everybody pretty much dies at the end.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay, well, that's good. Well, then I can understand why it's directed by, you know, Alan Birkinshaw, who is primarily a horror director. I feel like this is only the the only non-horror movie he made.
0: Well, I guess they could kind of structure it like a slasher because it is a bunch of people being killed one by so, one. So,
1: yeah, it's never really... This is, you know, I, th- I guess it was put out by Canon back in the 80s, and it never really... It never really got a DVD release, I don't think. I think this is also the first time it's shown up on any format beyond VHS. So, you know, it's been selling well. I, I, can't, I uh, can't lie about you're, that. Now
0: you're selling it to me now. I know, right. I know. <laughs> so moving on, classic films. The War of the Worlds, the George Pal version is being released by Criterion. No, I've
1: never seen this film. Can you believe
0: it? <laughs> I can believe that. <laughs> yeah, I never,
1: I never see anything uh,
0: unless it's one you? of those I like seen. obscure art yeah, War- films. Yeah, I know,
1: right? Or Robert movies. Yeah, or, really Robert.
0: or erotic thrillers. <laughs> or erotic thrillers. Yeah. So yeah, uh, have this you one's good. War of the Worlds. Yeah, yeah. a long time ago. Uh, it has a really good Joe Dante comment uh, commentary on the DVD, which I assume they probably poured it over on the Blu-ray. Don't take my word for it. I yeah, don't have probably. This is
1: a big deal, obviously. Uh, North American audiences have wanted a nice Blu ray release of this for some time. I don't think it hasn't come out on Blu ray at all in North America, it's just been DVD. And we've been selling this one like hotcakes. It's probably like our biggest criterion seller of the year so far.
0: And we also have uh, two Kino box sets, Film Noir, The Dark Side of Cinema, which includes Abandoned, The Lady Gambles, and The Sleeping City. Never heard of them? You like noir, you'll buy it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nope. I know. This is the third one of their Dark Side of Cinema collections. And the fourth one is on the way, so get ready for that. And Kino's
0: that. also putting out Western Classics Volume 1, which includes When the Dalton Road, Whispering Smith and the Virginian, and they got me because they put commentaries on all of these films. And I'm like, oh, yeah! Then I looked up the reviews, and it's like, yeah, these films are okay. I'm like, ah, damn it!
1: <laughs> yeah. You got me. <laughs> Kino's getting more and more generic with their box set titles. Like, it literally just says Western Classics. Like,
0: that seems like a... Um, important cinema club style like yeah classics it's like a kino studio (laughs) classics like these another um stakeout is not a classic come on guys
1: 10 little indians is called a kino studio classic what do you
0: think uh they should have called it instead it's like film do you kind of remember maybe have a soft spot for if you've (laughs) had a lot on a television collection
1: kino do you remember this yeah (laughs)
0: Kino, you'll like it if you saw it when you were a kid when nothing else was on collection. <laughs> the
1: Kino-Frank Stallone masterpiece set. Oh, that'd set, yeah. be
0: amazing if they did a Frank Stallone masterpiece <laughs> set. aquino has been doing more actor box sets lately, though. They have been, yeah. I saw that they have a, uh, uh, I can't remember his name. He was a World War II veteran, and he was like a Western star. It was like-
1: Audie, Audie Murphy, yeah. That's coming out in August. Yeah, we should be getting that then. That
0: actually has uh, really good movies on it, like Jack Arnold's uh, No Name on the Bullet, so I'll definitely be picking that one up uh moving on uh john ford's mary queen of scots a movie not even john ford like is being released by Kino. <laughs> And Kino's also putting out Mary Queen of Scots, the Charles Jarrett film who I am completely unfamiliar with. Yeah,
1: I don't know him much except for this film and also another historical drama, Anne of the Thousand Days, which they always packaged as a, as a two-pack on DVD. Oh, wait, um,
0: didn't he famously do the, like, musical version of Lost Horizon? You're he did right. one version of Lost yes, Horizon. Yes, he yeah.
1: did the 70s, one of that. He also did Condor Man, if anybody remembers. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> and he also did the canadian nicholas cage movie the boy in blue about uh local you know celebrity ned hanlon I, guess.
0: I don't know who that is he is
1: well that hanlon's point on toronto island is named after ned hanlon he was a famous rower is
0: that where all the nude bathers hang
1: out yeah 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 he was a famous rower in the early 1900s, I believe. And they made a Canadian movie with Nicolas Cage in the early – eight. it was like early in his career. It was like Valley Girl era where they made and it. And Mary
0: was. Queen of Scots, uh stars Vanessa Redgrave, which Kino has been mining her catalog like there's no tomorrow.
1: <laughs> they love her. Who doesn't love Vanessa Redgrave though, right? Me.
0: I don't like her She's fine What do you got against Vanessa Redgrave <laughs> Nothing Can't even name a movie yeah, She did
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I don't know What I've seen her in Really <laughs> She's just like One of those Grand dames Of British cinema right?
0: Uh, yeah exactly we also have Victor Victoria, but no, it's not the Blake Edwards version. It's the 1933 one. Yeah. Victor and Victoria. I am unfamiliar with this. Yeah, this, this is
1: one. a German production of it. Um, that's been long unavailable. It's never really never really been released except for maybe some public domain ones. But it's yeah, it's a music full musical version from the 30s. Um, directed by Reinhold Schunzel, which I, who I'm not familiar with. Um, yeah, it kind of just is one of those that went under the radar, but has kind of i mean people love victor and victoria so much that i feel like any version new version that comes out is like a big deal for some reason
0: so i feel like kino made a deal with like a german distributor or something like that right somebody that's remastering films because there's a lot that have been coming out lately lately like i know that maidens in uniform is coming out next week we did the golem last week we got these uh victor and victoria we also have uh paracelsus,
1: Par- paracelsus yeah which
0: is a gw exactly. film. exactly uh but it's also a, th- a third Reich it film is. made in 1943 yeah they
1: ca- i've never seen this one but they consider it was a big part of uh hitler's hollywood which was a really good documentary uh, narrated by udo kier no less about um the third reich films uh, which is really, really good. I would highly recommend it. But this was a big one because Pabst was they they consider Pabst to be making a lot of commentary against the Third Reich, because he wasn't uh he was really anti, you know, Third Reich. And he was kind of like I guess he I think he tried to escape and then was forced into making movies for them. And this was like a big epic um Period piece kind of thing that was kind of like one of the major achievements in uh in Nazi filmmaking. But uh, I guess again, I haven't seen it, but I guess if you watch it, you can see kind of him slyly kind of undercutting the regime throughout it. So I'd really be interested to check it out. Uh, again, yeah, Kino's done like a full restoration on this, and yeah, this and Victor Victoria are both under just their regular like classier Kino Classics line, which they put the Gollum under too. So. They definitely have some sort of connection with um, these German, uh, I don't know, whoever owns the rights to these.
0: Yeah, distributor who's doing these remasters or whatever. Yeah, I got to get more into that. I've only seen a handful of GW Pabst films.
1: Yeah, same here. He's he's a guy I've never really, I don't have a ton of familiarity with.
0: So we also have My 20th Century, uh, which is a film that's directed by... I'm going to say her name wrong. Ildiko Yeti? Yeah, I think so. I was practicing trying to say it today, too, because I knew we were going to talk about it because it's. Oh, why were you practicing? Because it's this week's by. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why I was practicing it. But you know what? I think you said it pretty bang up. I mean, that's how I would pronounce it. So, Were you
0: familiar with this Hungarian director before? Not
1: too much, actually. So I had heard about this film. I was interested in this film because it did play. Uh, they did start screening it a little bit. Um, they had a screening of it at the TIFF Bell Lightbox back in January, um, right before, you know, things shut down. It was starting to tour around the world. Um, but I knew her because she had a film a couple of years ago called On Body and Soul, which was...
0: Nominated for an Oscar. Yeah,
1: nominated for an Oscar. And it was her first film in 18 years, I think. It was a long, long time coming. Um, so it made me look back and uh, see what she'd done. Uh, I, st- I hadn't seen any of her stuff, though. Um, but apparently, yeah, she was a big deal in kind of the 80s and 90s in terms of Hungarian cinema. And this one in particular, you know, played at TIFF. It won the Camera Door Award at Cannes that year. And it got a lot of acclaim, but just kind of fell, I don't know, it just kind of fell away and disappeared after the VHS era, and it's never been put on DVD, nobody would really restored it or anything. One
0: of the reasons I've never heard of this filmmaker is none of her previous films are really available in any good format. Like, the feature film that she made after this, I don't remember the title, uh, it's about like magic bullets, about a cop that makes a deal with the devil. And I saw a VHS box, and it was like, David Bowie Presents the name of the movie but it's not available anywhere was only ever released to vhs nowhere else i wonder if it has to do with like the hungarian system like when she made my 20th century it was actually done right on the tail end of like the socialist era of hungaria Hungary, Hungary, (laughs) Hungary, (laughs) Hungary, the classic fantasy land, which is why a lot of uh, scenes from my 20th century are actually uh, shot in Cuba because they had those socialist um, ties. So, what'd you think of this movie, Mark? Or what is it about? It's it's a really,
1: it's a strange movie. It's hard to summarize. Um, I guess the best, I mean, before we watched it, I know we were talking, we thought thought it looked kind of Guy Madden esque, and I think that's kind of bang on. It definitely has a lot of style like that. It definitely harkens back to silent film techniques and kind of magic realist type stuff. Uh, It's really, it takes place right around the time that Edison kind of was creating the, you know, the. what kind of light bulb, the specific kind of light bulb he was creating. Just the electric light, pretty much. The electric light, yeah, I don't know. They they (laughs) call it, I'm already blanking on what the specific term was, but it's very like in tune with like electricity and just, I don't know, it has a lot of like early cinema techniques. It's filmed in black and white. And, um, but yeah, in terms of the story, it's about, I guess, two sisters played by the same actress who as children, they were orphaned and they are picked up off the street by, Two men who take them separate ways and they kind of grow up to lead, lead different lives, but then they come back together on this train, on this kind of like Orient, on the Orient Express, sorry, um, which is done, which that kind of setting has a very sort of like Madden esque, almost like a, it has got a Lars von Trier Europa kind of vibe to it a bit. And then you know, one of them is a drifter who's trying to like scam guys out of money, and then one of them's also a revolutionary who's like pl- plotting to like bomb uh, the minister of interior of the interior in Hungary, I guess, in Budapest at that time. It all takes place at the turn of the century, so it really is like at on New Year's Eve, nineteen hundred, I think most of it takes place. But it really goes all over the place. It's hard to like wrap your head around a lot. It throws a lot of like visual style at you and a lot a lot of plot. It's going to a bunch of different locales constantly
0: What's funny about the movie is that like I listen to the commentary, which is subtitled on the Blu-ray Afterwards, and it's actually like. Much simpler than it seems when you watch it for the first time. Like, you hear the director and the cinematographer talk about it. They're like, Yeah, we just wanted to be like a joke about, you know, mismatched identities, just like the cinema of the time of the early 1900s, that every scene is supposed to be a kind of a bite sized example of what was uh, bubbling up in society and culture because there's a whole long part about the suffragettes where there's a lecture made by a real philosopher that actually existed that was a real piece of shit that committed suicide uh, when he was 23 years old that was a
1: great scene too like where he goes on and on talking about like at first he's like women should have the right to vote but women are not but having said that women are not anywhere near the mental capacity of men and he just goes on and on and on and it's just like how desperate
0: he is and he gets like more and more pathetic as he keeps
1: Female audience who clearly is getting more and more disgruntled with him. And uh, yeah, th- this film is really, really. So it's got like some strong, obviously feminist content. It's got a great female gaze to it, obviously, because it's directed by a woman. And I don't know how many female directors were operating in Hungarian cinema at that time.
0: I don't think any. Uh, yeah, she actually right? mentions that when she got into film school, they would only let one woman per semester into the class one or zero. And That's she was wild. that one woman, and she actually got uh, kicked out before getting a diploma.
1: Really? Wow. I yeah, mean... she
0: says that she was so shy that the only reason that she actually got funding for such an expensive movie is that she didn't know any better. So when she wrote like her grants and stuff like that, and people read the script, it's just like she just thought that she could go and do it. Like She didn't yeah. like overthink it or anything like that. Because the movie's like super fancy. There's like these... Big almost like Fellini-esque visuals, like a parade yeah. of people with like lights on their head in the first scene. Yeah,
1: no, totally. There's big crowd scenes and everything. Like the the locations are all like huge and just detailed and expansive. It just feels like like such an ambitious film mm-hmm. for somebody who it was really her first big movie. I think she'd made one feature before that didn't get a lot of traction or anything, but this like to get this big of a budget, this big of kind of like to see her vision through this early on in her career is amazing. And it's too bad it took this long for it to like kind of be reappreciated again. Yeah,
0: there's a great um recreation of a scene from Batman the movie that everybody will know when yeah. they see
1: <laughs> <laughs> Right, yes.
0: <laughs> so yeah, were you a fan of this Oh yeah, movie? it was tons of fun. <clears throat> I wish I had heard about this filmmaker before.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It definitely is one of those films too that makes me want to check out like everything else she did i was looking at the rest of her filmography and like even the film she made before which i don't know if you can ever find anywhere called mole has like such an interesting premise it's like an agent sent to solve the secret of the lives of those who have a daily routine wishes to be a part of them. And then he like gets into their dream reality. Like all of her films have this weird sort of dream reality kind of thing going back and forth, which I, I really, I really respond to. Yeah. She um, has
0: like another, um, movie people really like her, like Simon the conjurer, which is about like a magician that's brought in for like a magician duel slash has to solve a mystery, but that's not r- really the film is about. It's mostly him walking through the streets and smoking. Sounds good yeah, to me. It sounds
1: awesome. and. Um, Yeah, I guess, like, if you're looking, maybe you've seen on Body and Soul. I believe it's on Netflix pretty easily. So, because I think it was like a Netflix bought it or something. But if that, even that one has like a really magic realist kind of vibe to it from what I was reading about it. So, yeah, I mean, now you can kind of start with like one from the beginning of her career, or one from the end of the, her career, and hopefully some of these ones in between get put out now because even we don't have rentals of any of her other stuff. Even Simon the Magician, which I believe Facets put out on DVD at one point, it's long out of print. So, or Simon the Conjurer, sorry. So, yeah, I hope... Or Simon the Magician. so I hope she really gets... I think Simon the
0: Conjurer is the name of, like... Isn't that, like, a 70s witch movie? That's probably... Oh, maybe, yeah.
1: I think Simon... I think it's, like, Simon Magus, and it's, like, whatever the translation will come to. But,
0: yeah, I mean so if you're interested in guy madden likes um films uh with a more of a you know woman's perspective that was made in socialist hungary check this absolutely. one out
1: like where else are you going to find something this kind of specific and strange you know
0: whoever did the remaster of it, i know kino had like a new uh 4k scan it looks like a modern movie because it's playing in like those silent film techniques you would not know it was made in like 1989 oh yeah
1: it looks absolutely beautiful and i do i do love the actress in it too who plays multiple roles. She plays the two sisters, and she also plays the mother, too, briefly, like when they're kids uh dorota dorota segda i'm probably mangling her name was she in
0: anything else i know this was I her don't first know. film. yeah or... i
1: was looking her up and yeah because she was young she was like in her early 20s when she made that and i was looking her up and nothing really jumped out at me like she still acts to this day Yeah, but... it
0: looks like yeah she's still acting but only in like hungarian yeah. things so like a lot of hungarian television but she's
1: great in this she's like super cute like tons of personality She like the way she plays off both of these characters, especially in moments where they're in like the same scenes together, and she just gives them each their own distinct personalities too. So, when the mistaken identity things happen, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, she's great, the whole thing's really great. I'm glad we uh, glad we picked this for this week's Blind Buy. Yeah,
0: glad you picked it because I probably wouldn't have uh, looked at it because I wouldn't have known what it Between was. Between
1: this or like. Ten Little Indians. The Ten Little,
0: Little Indians. <laughs> you know what? This but was, now that you're talking yeah. about it, I almost wish I had watched Ten Little I Indians. I know, I know.
1: Maybe we'll come back to that someday. You know.
0: Um, yeah, we have to do like uh, <coughs> Blonde by Regrets where we go back and watch a movie that yeah, we exactly. didn't watch.
1: <laughs> I think we'll regret Ten Little Indians, though. <laughs>
0: uh, so we also have two Hal Roach Streamliners collection, the Taxi Comedies and the Westerns. I mean, listen, if you want this, you want this, you're going to get it. Like, we're not going to sell it to you. These are Hal Roach comedies. That's the thing.
1: Volume 1 came out, like, a little while ago. We were talking about that. But, like, I don't really have much else to say about these. But I will say that volume four and five are coming out imminently. So what
0: are their subtitles? Uh,
1: I can't remember offhand, but they are. There's one coming out next month and there's one coming out in September. So
0: we also have um, two more classy Arrow releases. The Mad Fox, which is a Japanese film. And America as seen by a Frenchman, which is a documentary I am not familiar yeah, with. These are
1: both uh, offhand obviously off their Aero Academy line, which is their, you know, classier line. So, but the Mad Fa... America Seen by a Frenchman is kind of like, yeah, a documentary thing done by... Um, blanking on who it was. I know it's got the music... The big thing they're selling on it, it's got the music of uh, Michelle Legrand in it. Wait,
0: they're selling it on the music of Michelle Legrand? Yeah. He scored like 300 films. He scored deadly lessons. I know, I
1: know, <laughs> but it's like big on the front. They're just like, oh, those Legrand heads will come and grab this. But uh, Chris Marker was involved in this as well. Uh, Jean Cocteau was involved in it. And it's basically just like, yeah, exactly what the title says. It's kind of like a documentary portrait of different, of America, you know, from a Frenchman's point of view. So I guess it's like one of those observational French documentaries, kind of like that one that Rivette did, I guess, Paris Belongs to Us, like a similar type of vibe as that. Paris Belongs to Us is not a documentary. Is it not? I thought that was a documentary.
0: No, it's not. Clearly,
1: I haven't seen Paris Belongs to Us.
0: <laughs> hey, if you haven't seen, like, Rivette, which is the artiest of all um, New Way filmmakers, I don't <laughs> even know who you are anymore, Mark. I
1: know. I've seen a lot of Rivette. I just haven't seen that one. Oh, yeah, you're right. That is that is fully not a documentary. So I don't know. i <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking of another film that was like around that time that was kind of like this. But
0: uh, are you thinking of like saint Soleil or something like yeah, that? Yeah, maybe. No, I'm thinking of something else.
1: But you know what? That's a good comparison. Wait, yeah. What
0: is the documentary? It's the one where they like interview people on the screen. Yeah. Street, what is that? one? And then at the end, they watch the movie and comment on their interview. That's I don't what don't I'm remember thinking what it's of. Called.
1: Uh, all right. Well, I know
0: people are listening. They're like, Oh, it's yeah. Tell this, us, it's please. This. Don't write it in the comments. We figured it out by now. But the time you're listening, oh, you, you know what? So... Is
1: it Chronicle of a Summer? Is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah, that's, that's what, what it, it is. is. Okay, Chronicle Chronicle sorry, of yeah, not Paris belongs. This is what the film... So it's sort of like that kind of thing, from what I understand, but in America. And then The Mad Fox is apparently, like, it was just a film that really never got the appreciation it deserved. I think they premiered it finally. Like, they did a retrospective of it in Berlin, like, maybe five... Ten years ago where they really considered it one of the masterworks of Japanese cinema in the 60s, but it never really got much exposure in North America until now. But it's got a lot of like fantasy elements to it. I think a, a woman who falls in love with a fox in human form. It's one of those kind of things. But they do a lot of fantastical things with like kind of pseudo animation and just weird special effects. So I've heard really, really good things about this and Arrow obviously is giving it the deluxe treatment now and I'm sure it looks better than it ever has before.
0: We're moving on to new stuff.
1: Movie. Uh, we're starting
0: off with one that I saw make Mark's top 10 of the year. It's Trolls World Tour.
1: Well, I mean, with the amount of movies being released in 2020, I guess it's going to be right up there. It's going to be like number one. Even
0: without seeing it, it automatically makes your I know, your I know. It was made $100 million in streaming. Did it really? One. Yeah,
1: I did. I, you know what? You're right. I did read that. I mean, like, what else was there at that time, right? Like, that... Have you seen
0: the trailer for this movie? Somebody told me that the trailer will make you feel like a hundred year old man. And you're like, I don't even know what's going on and I was like yeah sure it does and then you watch it and that's exactly what it looks like a Stan Brakhage movie. It just colors and light and motion. And you're like, I don't, I don't even know what this is. Well, I remember when
1: the first trolls came out, we had it here. Somebody came in and said, it just makes you feel like you're on like crystal meth. The entire crystal
0: time. meth. Like, that's very specific. Like, wow. That's a
1: really <laughs> hard drug comparison. I <laughs> it
0: makes you feel awful, man. Yeah,
1: Jesus. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I never saw the first one. Never saw this one. Do I don't... you
0: rent something like trolls? Yeah, World Tour? I mean,
1: it's like a bit, we still get families in here i mean not so much anymore because of covid but like family rentals were always a big thing for uh families in the area i mean this was a big deal the trolls movies are huge right <laughs> they're huge i mean i mean i love troll dolls when i was a kid did you
0: i'm a troll man <laughs> i had one that had like a Halloween costume, but I think that was the only troll that I uh, had.
1: I really love my troll dolls. How and many
0: troll dolls did you have? Oh,
1: we had like maybe between five and ten, but like I really cherished five those. Five and ten. I cherished those troll dolls. La
0: dee da, Mr. Moneybags lo- over here. I loved my troll dolls. All right. <laughs> did your parents buy you whatever toy that you
1: wanted? No, definitely not. Oh,
0: Okay, I know some people who were like that, and I was like, I wasn't Man. a spoiled
1: kid like that. But, uh, but my
0: mom liked to tell me and my brother that we were spoiled all the time, which meant that we're not spoiled. Just like any parents out there know? (laughs) I I remember going to my friend's house and he had every toy like ever he had all the horror movies he had the you know the aliens action figures that were made for kids from like the James Cameron movie he had like all of those and I'm like this is crazy I wonder if he still likes horror movies. I bet you uh, probably not. Probably not. (laughs) He grew out of it. I met him in college, and he was becoming a police officer. Oh, yikes.
1: (laughs) Great career choice there, bud.
0: Okay, so moving on. (laughs) Listen, I don't want to make anybody mad, Mark, you know? (laughs) Yeah. What, you love cops over there? (laughs) So we also have Blood Quantum being put out. Uh, This is the Canadian zombie movie made by, uh, I guess, probably one of the only indigenous filmmakers working in Canada making, like, narrative genre movies
1: yeah probably right
0: did you like rhymes with young ghouls it's i'm gonna get his name wrong jeff barnaby jeff barnaby yeah yeah no that's right um i
1: have to admit i haven't seen any of either of his films yet i'm way behind the uh the train on jeff barnaby i know i know no i need to get into it because i did hear incredible things about rhymes uh for young ghouls and oh yeah it's a lot of fun yeah i really want to see it blood quantum i wasn't that interested in only because i'm just i'm not a big zombie movie guy i just don't I just don't like zombies. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm sick of zombies. I'm just over zombies.
0: <laughs> zombies were cool like 15 years ago when there were no zombie movies. Yeah, like even the classic zombie movies,
1: I like some of them, but I whoa, don't know. Whoa, whoa, I just... whoa, whoa.
0: Do you not like George Romero's Dawn of the Dead, Mark? My favorite movie of all time? You tell me you don't like it. Like, No, no. I, li- I like George Romero's
1: stuff up until land of the dead i, I did I, not of course like that. i mean what,
0: you're, you're not a crazy person <laughs> uh, and i
1: love you know like return of the living dead and a few like classic ones like that so
0: wait what are the famous ones that you don't like then you just mentioned all the good I don't know, ones like
1: uh well aren't there more famous ones
0: that i'm i guess not... the fulci ones which you've gone on record about being wrong about yeah
1: i don't like the fulci ones what other i feel like there's other classic zombie movies that clearly i haven't seen or don't really care for so uh
0: so this is basically like an episode of the walking dead all right you know what it feels like it feels like the first episode of a uh, walking dead theory that stars indigenous people. And then the last episode glued together because there's like a time <laughs> jump in the middle. doesn't right. really do anything new, but it is like a fun idea for a story, which is like uh the indigenous people of Canada are uh, immune to the zombie virus. So they can like start their own camps and stuff like that. And like white people finally like need their help. They're like, Oh, I need your help. And you know, the title blood quantum was a horrible practice that, Um, I don't remember when it happened, probably not that long ago, where they would measure someone's, like, indigenous status, which is, like, how much, you know, indigenous blood they had. And so, yeah, I mean, this is a fun movie. If you're like zombies, why not check it out? If you are one of those people that somehow watches Walking Dead still, there's no reason for you not to see this. Exactly. And there needs to be way
1: more diversity in genre filmmaking in general. So, like, I, I think it's amazing that, you know... He's fine. I hope he gets to make like tons more movies. I I mean, I feel like Blood Quantum was a pretty big hit from what I heard. Like it's doing really well for us. I remember when it was at TIFF, it was like a big deal. And yeah, he's just like obviously one of like the brightest new talents in Canadian filmmaking. So... I got to get on, I'll get on Rhymes for Young Ghouls pronto. And then it was one of those things, like it came out and I like meant to see it. I meant to see it.
0: I saw Rhymes with Young Ghouls in theaters. like a good Canadian. Well, yeah. how
1: about that? How about that? You've put me to shame. As, as you always do.
0: Hey, uh, Mark, you know more about movies than I will ever know because you have to learn about it for your job. I do, I do. <laughs> Although so
1: many of these things I like, I read about it. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay. And then when we talk about it here, I'm like- You talk about it and
0: then it's just gone. It's like- <laughs> Seriously, there's
1: so many titles that come across my desk every day that uh, my brain is exploding trying to keep them all. In.
0: So we have this week's generic noir that was made this year, Blood <laughs> and Money. Oh my God, what a generic title. Yeah, starring
1: everybody's favorite career dgeon Tom Barringer is he's still he's still working and he plays a retired veteran you know clearly a Tom Behringer kind of role who's uh, a hunter in northern Maine and I don't know he stumbles across a large sum of money and a dead body and the rest is you know every other neo noir movie you've seen in the last 20 years so I
0: mean I hope you haven't been watching every new one that's been released because then you had, get it. It. I had yeah. it
1: I'm dead I'm dead. Uh, I have not seen this film. I I don't really care that much for Tom Behringer I never really did.
0: Um, (laughs) You have an opinion about Tom Berringer?
1: A little bit. I don't know because he was in a lot of like action-y stuff in the 80s and 90s. And I would always see him. I'm like, this guy's kind of boring, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. He was in the Sniper movies, wasn't he?
1: You know what? I like him in The Substitute. That's like the one movie I actually think. You know, he's kind of fun in this. I mean,
0: he's no Treat Williams, who obviously took up the mantle. He's no
1: Treat Williams, though. No, definitely no Treat Williams.
0: We also have Hope Gap, uh, which is about Grace, who lives in an idyllic life in a British seaside town, but her world comes crashing down when her husband of 29 years tells her he's leaving her for another woman. Ooh this is definitely for the older people in the audience This is for the old folks yeah.
1: <laughs> starring Annette Benning and Bill Nighy every every older person loves Bill Nighy you know he's just like He's just the sex symbol for older Bill ladies. Bill Nye right has
0: been old since I've known him. Has he ever been young? Like, even when he was young, he looked old. Yeah, when, <laughs> when did he even start acting? He looks you know? like, like he was on the Doors of Death in Shaun of the Dead, which came out 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah.
1: And obviously, I'm sure he was like a working actor as a young man, but like, I can't even picture him as a young man. He
0: has one of those like thin faces, so like it's impossible he to does, yeah. uh, imagine him young. Well, he just
1: looks like a zombie all the time, right? <laughs>
0: uh, another film, Proximity, which is, oh god, a NASA scientist becomes obsessed with finding proof of extra- extraterrestrials after a close encounter.
1: Yeah, so it's basically Shh. another generic independent sci fi movie. I feel we get one of these like every other week, it seems, honestly. So I don't know what it is. Like indie filmmakers just love making sci-fi movies and i think it's mostly i think this one's directed by like a vfx guy it's usually directed by some vfx guy it's always directed by a VFX guy yeah he's making his first film i think he's the guy who like did vfx on like stranger things and game of thrones and a lot of tv stuff so he gets a little money together gets some you know people he knows and like i'm gonna make a movie but they always come out nobody knows what they are they get crappy reviews and I don't know. Then everybody forgets about them in a few weeks. So,
0: let's forget about it now. Unless it's good, (laughs) in which case we're sorry. Unless,
1: yeah. I don't know. The reviews aren't strong. I'll put it Uh, that way.
0: Okay. So, we also have Young Ahmed, which is being released by Kino. It's about a Belgian teen embracing an extremist interpretation of the Quran, and he hatches a plot to kill his teacher. This is the
1: new Darden Brothers movie. Obviously, they Uh, are
0: a big deal
1: in international cinema. I'm actually... I haven't seen... I mean, I've seen a few of their films. I, I totally like what they're doing. Like, I get what they're doing. They've never been filmmakers I've t- really gravitated towards a lot, but obviously they are huge. People love I literally
0: stuff. talked about that on this week's Important Cinema Club because somebody sent us a letter asking us about the Dardenne's. And they said the same thing that they found that their like, style is very samey. Like once you've seen one of their films, you've kind of seen all of their films. Yeah,
1: and I like it. And and you know what? It's it's interesting because people are all like about the Safty Brothers these days. And I know the Safty Brothers are actually really influenced by the Darden Brothers. Remember they did an interview together once, the both of them and the we were talking about like how the Darden Brothers are basically like what they're trying to be with America. And I yeah, I
0: but the Dar- the the Safty Brothers like if the Darden Brothers did the do man and knocked back a few energy drinks.
1: Exactly right. <laughs> That's the thing when I watch. Safety Brothers stuff, it's like so in your high energy. I'm into it. And then I watch the Dardans, and it's like, yeah, no, this is great, and it's depressing, and it's bleak, I hope that
0: kid gets a bike. But, yeah.
1: I know that's the thing but it's like after a while it's like how many of these can I watch you know
0: well you know even I was gonna say even the older Safdie stuff like Daddy Long Legs is like super intense and on the edge of your seat theater. I love that movie so much so good
1: oh me too that's definitely one of their best was that
0: put out on DVD by like it
1: was it was put out by uh, Kim Stim which is kind of like an offshoot label of Kino I think Kino owns them now uh, they used to be uh, okay. I think they used to... <laughs>
0: Kino owned I know. the I think they
1: used to be independent and then Kino bought them or something like that
0: but... oh no kino's big business now (laughs) they're the mega corporation they're like disney they buy up everything (laughs) have you ever seen uh the video of the safety brothers in the criterion closet no i haven't
1: actually watched that yet oh it's
0: so funny it's like an old video from like a couple years ago but they come in with like giant tote bags and fill them all up before they leave (laughs)
1: beautiful that's what i would do honestly
0: (laughs) and you're like don't you know who i am Mark Hanson of the Bay Street Video I, Podcast. Yeah. And they're like, sorry, Mark, sorry, sorry. Yeah, when are
1: the criterion, when are the folks the Criterion going to let us into the Criterion closet? That's the big question here. I
0: wonder what I would get. I kind of feel like I have almost everything that Criterion has put out that I really want. Oh, I would take a lot. I'd be
1: one of those guys that takes, like, a big bag. I would just They're not like, don't you stop. work in
0: a video store? <laughs> Shh. It's not like you don't have access to these movies, so you're like, I want them anyway. But you're letting me
1: take them for free,
0: I think. Uh, yeah, you leave the closet. Or, or like, do they all come out price. Price.
1: Yeah. <laughs> They take you to a cash register. That will be four hundred dollars, please.
0: What? Oh, I'm sorry. This one's double because it's out of print.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: uh We also have Corpus Christi, which was a big movie around oscary times, I guess. Or wait,
1: did it already get nominated? Or did... it did. Yeah. So it was one of the Oscar nominees for foreign film. I I really wanted to see this and i missed it this year but i heard amazing things yeah, it's about
0: because your um outlet was like sorry we want to see this film mark yeah and basically just you i away. Just couldn't
1: i couldn't get it you know and i was like oh, i'll go see it at the you know at the theater in the theaters at some point and then everything shut down when it was playing so it was like yeah. but apparently this is great it's about a young man who i believe is just at a prison or something and then he basically impersonates like being a priest in a small town parish uh, apparently it's yeah it's super excellent i really want to see it um it says a lot about spiritual transformation or what have you i don't know you know it's one of those things
0: so we also have the wild goose lake by the chinese filmmaker who made black coal thin ice i've seen the wild goose lake i saw it a tip
1: oh wow How it's good that? it's
0: like a neon drenched one long night thriller where like a criminal's trying to actually it like starts with a gang war and then like one person gets blamed and it's like very dryly funny as well but also shows like the incompetence of police officers and the criminals at the same time and you feel like a movie like this only got past censors because his last film won so many awards So they, like, have to let this one out. There's, like, some moments of gore, especially one at the end, that, like, literally made me go, whoa, because it's, like, a splatter scene. I won't spoil anything about what it involves, but you'll know it when you see it. So, yeah, if people like those kind of movies, like One Long Night Chase thrillers, like, real neo-noir kind of stuff, I would highly recommend it. We also have Suburban Birds being released by Cinema Guild. I saw this
1: one. This is, you know, the kind of like really low, like obscure indie that I'm into (laughs) because I think they put this on at the um, MDFF screenings, which is a screening series in Toronto for like really kind of like more obscure Uh, independent stuff that doesn't really get the theatrical distribution that something like, you know, Corpus Christi or Wild Goose Lake might get. Okay. Yeah. This is from a uh, Taiwanese filmmaker, I believe, uh, Sheng Sheng Q. And uh, it's kind of, I won't say, I I can't say I loved this film um, because I did feel like it's a little, it's very whimsical and I'm not a huge fan of whimsy in my movies. I hate whimsy. Um, But I do admire a lot about the style of this film. It looks really, really good, and um, it's basically like a coming-of-age story, but done... It's basically about these, like, land surveyors who are, like, surveying this area where, like, Uh, The ground is all there's a lot of like shrunken ground and it's all like uneven and they can't figure out the cause of it. And then this one guy finds like a diary in like an abandoned school from a kid. And then it kind of reverts to the story of this kid growing up in the same area. And there's like parallels between him and this kid. And it plays a lot with like the different time periods and everything. Um, Really interesting stuff with what it does with the cinematography, though, because a lot of it like these land surveyor guys are looking through these. Basically, you know, you're, like, walking down the street and you see those guys with, like, the the things set up. Like, it's like a tri- thing on a tripod. It's like a camera on a tripod thing. And they're, like, surveying the road or whatever. It's, like, those kind of things. And a lot of it's, like, kind of shot, like, how you'd be seeing through those kind of things. He uses a lot of, like, interesting zooms. The whole thing is shot in, like, full frame ratio, too. And, uh, yeah, there's just, like, a lot of interesting stuff going on visually in it that I would definitely recommend it to, uh, to just fans of international cinema. And especially if you like coming-of-age movies. Um, it's got a few, like, Wes Anderson-esque touches, which kind of, like, didn't necessarily work for me, but I know, obviously, a lot of... Because you hate Wes, hate Wes Anderson. Anderson. But, you know, a lot of people are into that. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely recommend this for people who are either into coming-of-age movies or just, like, independent or independent international cinema in general.
0: So we also have Mickey and the Bear being released by Unobstructed View. Yeah, this
1: is, like, a small indie, American indie film about, you know, a teen girl who has to, like, take care of her family. Because of like a ill parent or something like that. <laughs> I, I, I it's a Ooh, sounds I like know, a I'm, I'm to really me. selling it well. Um, it's from a first time um, female director, Annabelle atanasio who I believe is an actress making her directorial debut. It starts. It's got James Badge Dale in it. You know, we, wait,
0: who's he? What did he I do? Know. He
1: was in the Iron Man movies, I think, and I was a. He shows up in things. I don't know. Uh, but I did hear uh, really good things about this. It got some really good reviews, played a lot of festivals, but then kind of didn't get a lot of traction theatrically. But now here it is on our shelves. You <laughs> rented, please. No, I did, honestly. It's got really strong reviews, though. And we
0: also have St. Francis, which is uh, I remember seeing posters yeah, for this. Yeah, this is
1: kind release. of like an abortion comedy or like that
0: deals with abortion. A deadbeat nanny has to take care of a kid who she's trying Yeah, I heard really protecting.
1: good things about this one. Uh, didn't get a chance to see it. I hear the actress in it is really good. She also wrote it, I believe. It was getting talked a lot about with um the uh never rarely, sometimes always, which we talked about a few weeks ago, which is a more like kind of serious look at abortion in America. Um they were kind of taught talk- they kind of came out around the same time and were talked about a lot in the same conversations. But definitely this one has more of a comedic vibe and deals with her relationship with like a young girl. We as also well.
0: have VHS, which is a film uh that I did not see but oh boy that I hear my friends talk about it a lot it's uh, it has a really fun gimmick uh which is that a a kid grabs his parents camcorder and accidentally um tapes over like their wedding i think it is uh and with a bunch of commercials and the commercials are a bunch of like la people being funny so like tom lennon is there of course and but supposedly has a real smug attitude and if you look oh wait it's directed by the son of two famous people tim robbins and susan sarandon oh okay and both of
1: them make uh and both of them make cameos in it too being funny people there's also a musical performance in it from Wise Blood, just out of nowhere. Uh, who's like, who's actually a really good artist, but it's just like out of nowhere. It's just kind of like a grab bag of like. Did you see it? I, I did see it. Yeah. Um, did you like no, it? I <laughs> no, I didn't.
0: No, I didn't think so. Um, yeah.
1: Was really. It was just lame, man, honestly. like I, Yeah, that's
0: what I hear. Like, you could feel Oscilloscope release just, like, sweating when they were, like, hyping it up. They're like, so funny, man! It's like Adult Swim! And it's like, oh, okay. Uh-oh. I know, that's the
1: thing. It does feel like just kind of like a cheap sort of Adult Swim kind of knockoff. I just, yeah, I feel like with movies like this, I've already seen this stuff done so much better on, like, Tim and Eric or something. or the, And, like, nothing in it, like, I'm thinking about it now. I saw it back in, like, maybe January, February. And, like, I can't even remember much of it that stood out to me at this point. It just, like, kind of faded from my memory so fast. I do think – I remember the ending. It does kind of veer into horror territory a little bit in the last, like, 15 minutes. It almost does this, like, Blair Witch Project type thing, which isn't, like, that unsuccessful. It actually kind of works, but, like, it has – there's no buildup to it. It just comes out of nowhere, just like the rest of the movie, that it just feels so weightless. So – I don't know. I mean, the movie's only like 70 minutes long too. It's like barely even, it's stretching to even become a feature. So. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. 70 minutes is definitely a feature. If more features were 70 minutes, you'd no, be like, No, I get oh, it, I get yeah, it.
1: But you can feel like they're stretching it in this case. Um, I don't know. I, there's a lot of hype that came behind it from oscilloscope and everything. And I don't really get it other than the fact that it's just like, hey, VHS, that's cool and retro, right? It
0: came out and nobody liked it. So I don't think people will be talking about it very much. Uh, we also have American Dharma, the controversial documentary about by errol morris where he interviews bad man steve bannon i
1: know yeah um i don't know i mean I, i dig errol morris movies generally i don't know how much interest i have in watching steve bannon for an hour and a half though but none to each their own that's the thing it's like i've got better things to do i'm sure it like you know tries to like get into the core of who steve bannon is but like do i even do you care like i don't
0: know i bet you errol morris is like i just want to let my uh him present himself yeah
1: well that's the thing he already he did it with dick cheney right with that movie before and now like i don't know it's just like i got better things to do with my time than watch steve bannon for an hour and a half i already think i know all i need to know about him we
0: also have diane kennedy nothing fancy Diana Kennedy. Yeah,
1: so this is like a foodie documentary. I I don't know. Diana Kennedy is apparently like the I don't know, she knows everything about Mexican cuisine. She's written like nine books is about she white? Mexican cuisine. And she's she's white and British. Boom! So <laughs> I know, and that's the thing. So I was like looking into it. I'm like, okay, I guess people know who she is and everything, and that's fine. But I'm looking, it's like, she's just an old British lady that's like basically and she apparently she's just like, no, this is the way you do Mexican cuisine and no other way. And it's like How would you know, though? You're not even Mexican. (laughs) But whatever. I don't know. People like her.
0: So we also have Slay the Dragon, a documentary about gerrymandering.
1: Yeah, which is obviously very important in this day and age. I haven't seen this one, but I mean, obviously, like, this is kind of very timely right now. And I hear really good things about this one. So I would say check it out. Yeah,
0: gerrymandering is bad. Even Republican uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger wants to end it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. with his yeah. two ponies have you seen those videos of him with his two ponies? Yeah. I have
1: yeah yeah it's so ridiculous.
0: Uh, we also have um, oh a bunch of real crap <laughs> horror movies so, um, yeah
1: let's let's blaze through some horror movies we have here
0: Bell's the bus uh, yeah Shudder and R- Yeah, uh,
1: it stars Tobin Bell. I don't know.
0: <laughs> That's all you need to oh, know. Man. That's all in you Saw need to 7, know. man, Saw 7 when Tobin Bell shows up and it looks like he's wearing the clothes that he was just woke up in. Have you seen uh, Saw 7? I I have it.
1: I capped out at like I tapped out at Saw 4. I love yeah. the Saw
0: movies. And uh in Saw 7 Tobin Bell shows up in a flashback and he's wearing like a one-piece jogging suit and like a baseball cap turned sideways.
1: <laughs> Amazing.
0: <laughs> uh, we have inheritance. Another inheritance movie. Didn't we have another one called inheritance this, like, a few weeks ago?
1: I don't know. Maybe this one's with uh, this one's with Simon Pegg actually and Lily Collins. Uh, I don't know. What happened to Simon Pegg? I don't know. He looks like he's got some weird like old man look going on in this. I don't know. <laughs>
0: listen he's just aging Mark he's Just it's aging, not...
1: but it's like put on old man look
0: <laughs> so maybe it's good we'll never know maybe it's good
1: I don't know it's about like you know a woman moves into like an old house and her parents have some weird inheritance and creepy things happen I guess I don't know
0: we got another zombie movie from South Korea zombie for sale zombie movie that's all you need to know And then we have Eat Brains Love. Oh, this zombie movie I can get behind because it's by my man Rodman Flender. Yes, the director of Idle Hands
1: who we sung the praises of weeks ago for Idle Hands. And I think we briefly mentioned this one. Yeah, so what did you think?
0: Well, I had actually seen it before I bought it and I liked it. It's a lot of fun. Um, Robin Flender in the commentary track he does on the disc uh, points out like references to, I kid you not, uh, the wife, the thief, the cook and her lover at one point when they like eat somebody on a table. He's like, oh yeah, somebody asked me at a Q and A. And yes, that is a reference. He loves cannibal movies like that is like his number one like favorite subgenre. So he talks about that a lot as well and the fact that he didn't want to use any CG effects. It's like a teen zombie comedy that's also like shockingly violent cuz the premise is Two uh, teenagers uh, get turned into zombies by getting STDs. They kill all their friends and then are forced to go on the run because, like, the zombie force or whatever is chasing after them. And, like, a love triangle forms between one of the women that's chasing after the guy and the other woman that the, you know, dumb main dude is with yeah super fun listen you like idle hands you'll like this nice it's good to see
1: that robin Flender's still you know making movies and doing well you well know? he was
0: doing like a bunch of like tv movies that nobody would want to see for a while so yeah i
1: remember looking at his filmography and being like yeah it looks kind of bleak there bud
0: yeah you gotta pay the bills somehow yeah. uh we also have um ouija, ouija shark? shark yeah no thanks
1: <laughs> i don't know yeah it's from it's from the same, like, it's from the Velocipastor guys. I, I don't know. Yeah,
0: Wild Eye, who offered to pick up Teddy Bomb at one point. Oh, uh, yeah,
1: of course. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think we've talked about these kind of movies before. I'm just not, not feeling it. I love shark movies, but I'm just not into this so kind of So, Seven
0: thing. Days in Utopia is also being released, a film from 2011. Yeah, I don't
1: know. I didn't feel this would be right for the classic section, even though it's, like, nine years old. But it's some, like faith leaning <laughs>
0: the oldest new movie I know, I know, that you've put in the new, new movie, but
1: like how can i put this in classics it's basically some like sort of semi-faith-based golfer movie with robert duvall and lucas black from fast and furious tokyo drift
0: yeah. i love lucas black oh not only fast and furious tokyo drift he was also in fast and furious 7 if you recall Ah, uh, i love uh, fast and furious seven where you see uh, the uh, teaser scene from fast and furious scene where he meets vin diesel and then what happens right after and lucas black looks oh, yeah, like a hundred so years
1: older i always hated lucas black
0: <laughs> he looks like that simpsons joke where it's like luke perry how do you keep looking so young and then he like, smiles <laughs> and it's all wrinkles
1: um, so yeah i don't know this movie yeah obviously came out a while ago and it's just showing up on dvd now Uh, I mean, people love Robert Duvall. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, but it's some like movie. I know Lucas Black plays a pro golfer who's, you know, fallen on... I don't know, maybe he lost or something and he goes back to any, he, basically he becomes, sparks a friendship with an eccentric rancher played by Robert Duvall. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sure Robert Duvall plays an eccentric rancher well. So, you know, if you're a Robert Duvall fan, you're looking for something new, but not really new, then I guess check this one out.
0: How do faith-based movies do at uh, <laughs> pretty, Bay Street Video? Pretty
1: well if they're not like obviously faith. Like we don't carry we don't carry stuff really like God's Not Dead or like what? shit like that just how
0: dare you you you're stamping on my free speech right but that stuff doesn't really yeah i know right
1: <laughs> that stuff doesn't really even do well for us so we wouldn't even bring it in but stuff like this where it's like it looks just like kind of a regular movie but it's got that like sort of faith theme in it does fairly well actually especially if it's got names in it that people recognize yeah
0: lucas black like lucas black <laughs> all right finally the best for last it's the unlucky season of Murdoch Mysteries, season 13. <laughs> the one where they go all supernatural, right? Yeah,
1: sure. I don't know. Have you? I, I haven't followed Murdoch I have Murdoch never Mysteries. watched an episode of Murdoch what? Mysteries. You've this never the seen an episode team. of Murdoch Mysteries? Never a single I've episode. I've only really seen it because it was literally, and probably still is, on TV all the time. Like CBC here in Canada plays it all the time on repeat. I've
0: seen them filming it. Because if oh, you live yeah. in Toronto, you could not have like... Um, walked by a place that, like, they all set up to look like Murdoch mysteries. Oh, yeah, and,
1: you know, seniors love this show. It, they they think it's like a British mystery or something. It's like Midsummer Murders, but, like, just cheaper looking, does I guess. it take place in Canada? Yeah, it does. It takes place in Toronto, I believe. And, like...
0: I've seen clips of this. It looks insanely cheap. Like, it looks embarrassingly cheap. Oh, it is embarrassingly
1: cheap. cheap. Like, any good Canadian tele- publicly funded Canadian television show is.
0: But there's no reason it should look that cheap. Like, they have enough money that they can get better cameras than I they know. have.
1: But, like, people love this show so much that it's gone into 13 seasons now. Um, and you know what? It's The real hilarious thing about this is this isn't even a Canadian... DVD label that distributes this. We have to import this from the U.S. And you know how much these sets cost?
0: $100. $80. (laughs) That is insane. How many episodes are part of a season? I don't know.
1: Can't be that many, though. Like, I don't know. Like, there can't be more than, like, 10, I would think. Unless I'm wrong. Unless there's, like, 100 per season or something. But Unless it's, like, a soap opera. But I don't think so. I look at the back of them, and there's, like, uh, I don't think there's that. It's only, like, a few discs, so... Yeah, they only have 18 episodes a season. Like, so
0: And it's
1: $80. $80 for that on DVD.
0: Insane. I know. Insane.
1: So, I don't know. I figured we should bring it up because, you know, we're Canadian here and it's Canadian pride to be into oh, Murdoch Canada. Mysteries.
0: Canada. Uh, it's like <laughs> the only Canadian TV show that exists at this exactly, point.
1: Exactly, right? So, I don't know. It seems to be going strong. I don't I don't imagine we'll have any, you know, fewer Murdoch Mysteries in the next several years.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, who knows when they'll start reshooting at this point. That's true.
1: That's true. People
0: need their Murdoch. <laughs> yeah. Mur- Murdoch. <laughs> They're changing the name of the DVP to the Murdoch Expressway. <laughs> the Murdoch Mysteries Expressway. Right. All right. So that's it for uh, the Base Video Podcast. As per usual, you're open from 10 to 6 now every day. When are you going to go back till when you're open till midnight, Mark?
1: I don't know when. I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, Yeah, I, I can't imagine us honestly going back to midnight. We were already having talks about potentially just uh, cutting the hours back just because it's like who needs to be open till midnight anymore? And then COVID happened so it was like, well, problem solved, I guess.
0: All right. So until next week, my name is Justin Clue. And I'm Mark Hanson. Keep on buying. And keep ah, on renting and buying those $80 watch. Murdoch mystery sets. These movies and many more are available at your local video store.